Last summer, if you remember, was a long, hot and dry one. And towards the end of it, we had a hosepipe ban which lasted several months. With reservoirs emptying, Jersey Water also had to run the desalination plant at Lemoy for an extended period at a cost of £8,000 a day. More recently, we've had dozens of families forced to leave their homes in Grandvaux due to flooding and subsequent calls for the water level in the reservoir there to be lowered to protect properties down the valley. Add the impact of climate change, population increases, development, historic water contamination and the pressure on land use and you can see that the island's water utility company has a lot on its plate. The man at the helm of Jersey Water is Helia Smith who is tasked with setting the company's long-term strategy. He's also in charge of the utility's day-to-day -day operations and its response to the Grandvaux flooding, to which we turn to first. Hello, let's um, first turn to, to one of the most recent issues, um, Grandvaux. What can you and Jersey Water do to ensure that that doesn't happen again? And is lowering the level of the water, which has been suggested by some, um, the right way forward? Uh, firstly, when, when we think of the flooding at Grandvaux, our thoughts firstly turn to the residents of Grandvaux and uh, you know the challenges they've been through. Some of them are still going through significant upheaval caused by the flooding. And so our thoughts uh, remain with them um, and, and their journey through this. And hopefully it'll you know, come to an end quickly. Um, in terms of the, the, the flooding on the day and Jersey Water's role, Jersey Water is very much a, a plays a support, supporting role on the day. We have responsibility for drinking water. Um, we have no legal responsibility for drainage in the island and that, that responsibility falls to IHE. So in, in any flooding event, Jersey Water's role is really one of support and assistance, which is, which is what we did on the day, pumping as much water as we possibly could away from the flood area on the day and capturing a small amount of water in the reservoir using the capacity there. Um, I think overall we pumped approximately 450,000 cubic metres of water away in, in, in uh, in something like 24, 48 hours or something like that. So really, it sounds like a lot of water, but it was relatively small compared to the, the total volume. So our supporting role, uh, is, is, it was very clear on the day and we carried that out to you know, as much as we could. And in terms of uh, the, the reservoir level, um, there's obviously been much thought about how we can prevent flooding in the future. And I think rather than jumping onto specific topics, we need to look at flooding in, in, in the whole. So it's a whole system that needs to be um, put in place to, to protect um, Granville and other areas in the island from flooding in the future. Um, and that, that process starts from forecasting rainfall when it happens. I think uh, the Jersey Met haven't historically done um, rainfall, severe weather warnings for, for heavy rainfall. Uh, and so the island was taken by surprise on that day. Um, early warning system, so the catchment when it's saturated um, People need to be made aware that that's the case and the risk of flooding is obviously much more exacerbated uh, when that happens. And then the whole process of capturing the water and slowing it down as it comes down the catchment through through the valleys and then goes out to sea, that all needs to be slowed down to minimise the, the, the volume of, of flooding. And I think that's what IHE are looking at in terms of their flood response planning for Grand Vaux. One of those um, options that have been considered, I think, is is the potential to lower the levels in Granville to theoretically capture some flood water. And whilst at first look that seems to be an obvious thing to do, it's actually fraught with, with numerous problems. And uh, Jersey Water's view is that um, we are looking at the 
the, 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 the option and evaluating it from a, a water quality and engineering perspective. But our initial view is that um, the reservoir shouldn't be used for flood alleviation. And there's three real reasons why. The first one is the reservoir is not very big. The, the, the Granville catchment is over nine square kilometres. <coughs> and so it's the biggest in the island. 10% of the island is, is taken up by the Granville catchment. So all the water falling in the area um, congregates down into the Granville Valley. Granville Reservoir is very small. Uh, it's uh, <coughs> it's 230,000 cubic metres of water, which sounds a lot, but it's tiny. Queen's Valley is Jersey Water's biggest reservoir, and Granville is significantly smaller th than Queen's Valley um, and, and, and therefore doesn't hold much water. So the potential for it to capture flood water as it comes down the valley is very limited. To, to capture a, a 1 in 100 event, the reservoir would nearly have to be empty. So effectively, it's no longer a reservoir. And to capture an event similar to the one we saw uh, in January, um, which is somewhere between a 1 in 10 and 1 in 20 uh, event, you'd be looking at the reservoir down at around 40% capacity. So effectively, you know, really quite low. Uh, and then when you get into those realms, you, you start running into significant operational problems and significant risks to the water supply. So, so the reservoir is really small. The other, the other um, factor is, you know, this is a drinking water reservoir designed for drinking water. Um, Grand Vaux, whilst it's a small reservoir, it has the largest yield in terms of water that the island uses. 20% or one-fifth of all the water we use in Jersey comes from the Grand Vaux catchment. Uh, so we can't do without it. So we need to protect that water resource and we need to be able to abstract from it all the time, 24-7, year-round, so that we have that water available for use. The island is already suffering uh, water resource constraints. Uh, we had a hose pipe ban last summer because of the, the, the dry weather. We have a standby desalination plant to, to, uh, to, to be there in, a, in the event that we don't have enough water because of lack of rainfall. So, so sacrificing or compromising the uh, Granvo Reservoir um, really puts that, that water resource at risk and we, we, we simply can't do that without replacing it in some other form. And then the, th the third big reason is, is water quality. Um, holding the reservoir down at, say, 40 or 50% significantly increases the risk that the reservoir could be polluted by uh, nitrates, pesticides and so forth uh, during normal uh, operation. Uh, and it's much less resilient if the water levels are low because it can't um, dilute out those, those pollutants. So we have one risk of the, water the reservoir becoming contaminated during normal use. If there's a flooding event, effectively what you're saying is that we would allow flood water, which contains an enormous amount of raw untreated sewage, from entering the reservoir, um, which in itself would effectively pollute the reservoir and take it out of service for as long as that, that, that pollution was present. And you could be looking at weeks of not being able to use Granville Reservoir because it's full of sewage. And you know when 20% of the water we use in the island comes from Granville, that, that's simply unacceptable to be consciously deciding to do that. Um, and is it fair to say that when the properties were being flooded, the reservoir actually wasn't full at that time? It was nearly full. Um, so we've, ha we've obviously had a very wet um, January month and the strategy that Jersey Water has is to capture as much water as we can during the winter so that we've got the water resources to get through the dry months, so the spring, the summer and the early autumn. And so our philosophy has always been to be as full as we can by Christmas, trying to stay full throughout the winter, protecting our reservoirs against the pollution through arising from potato growing, um, effectively ring fencing those reservoirs and using the water, protecting the water. 
Um, so yes, the reservoir was pretty much full. We had, I think, 15 million litres of capacity in the reservoir on the day, which, you know, we, we took in some water to, to help offset the flooding. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the way we run that reservoir was absolutely by the book on the day. Um, you've raised an interesting point where last year, as every islander will know, we had um, we had a drought, we had a hosepipe ban in place, we had the desalination plant up and running. And at the time, I remember you saying that, and you've just reiterated the point, um, that the, the winter period will be key to establishing whether we might face a similar problem in the summer of 23. Where are we at with our water supplies at the moment? Are we looking quite healthy, albeit we don't know what the weather will be this summer? Yeah, we can't foretell the weather, um, but it's been an unusual winter. We've had, um, we had a really wet November and a really wet January, uh, obviously exacerbated by the heavy rainfall on the 17th. Um, so by the end of January, you're pretty full, which was a good place to be uh, from a water resources perspective. Uh, but in February, we've had 15% of the average rainfall for the month, which is, which is next to nothing. So we, during February, we saw reservoir levels starting to drop, which is pretty unusual uh, for this time of year. We'd normally see reservoirs being full throughout to the end of March. But seeing reservoirs drop in February is, is kind of um, a bit of alarm call. Mm. Um, they've recovered since in, in, in March, but we're still only 95% full. Um, one only has to look across to France and mainland Europe. They've had one of the driest winters on record. Uh, snowfall hasn't been there. So we're looking at you know rivers like the Loire and you know, other big you know, uh, rivers across Europe being very, very dry and so low that they're worried about this summer coming. And that's off the back of the driest winter in 500 years, uh, dry summer in 500 years in mainland Europe. So we can never take water resources for granted, and especially in an island where we've only got 120 days of storage and you know we've obviously got the desalination plant but it's a backup is it, is it increasingly unpredictable and i know you're not a climate change scientist but are you seeing evidence that the patterns established patterns and are not once that what were they were i think i've worked at jersey water for 20 years and i don't think any summer has been normal uh, and every summer or winter has been punctuated by some form of extreme weather whether it's extreme dry extreme cold extreme heat uh, and this last few years, we seem to see them all concentrating in very short periods of time. We've seen extremely wet weather, extremely dry weather, the hottest temperatures. Um, and I think, you know, the science is saying that these things are going to happen more and more frequently and more and more extremely in the future. And so as an island, we need to prepare for that, both in terms of water resources, which are obviously essential for life, but also in flood mitigation. As an island, we need to be ready for floods when they happen. And uh, not just in Grand Vaux, but there's plenty of other areas where there's um, risk of flooding. And do you see Jersey Water having a, a, a role in that flood prevention uh, on on an island level? Well, I think you know we, we obviously want to be a great corporate citizen. We we are our assets are located where there is water because of the nature of our business, um, and we'd like to do whatever we can in in terms of flood prevention. But you know, again, caution against using really important water resource assets which we depend on throughout the year as a tactical device to to uh, provide short-term benefit against flooding. Helen, in 2021, Jersey Water published um, its uh, long-term water resources and drought management plan, which presented several options to cope with a rising population, increasing water use. Um, these included raising the dam at Val de la Mar, I believe even building a new dam further down the valley at Val de la Mar, um, beefing up the desalination plant, and possibly even flooding a new valley. Are they still on the table? Are these still possibilities? 
Yeah, so in 21, the, the, the resource plan that we published showed that we had a water resources deficit to fill by 2045, 8 million litres a day is forecast. That's in drought conditions. And we've been busy since then um, doing all of the measures that we, we promised in our plan and a few of those on the demand side. So leakage, we've been actively managing our leakage and we, we're very proud that we've got one of the lowest levels of leakage uh, in the UK. Um, but that's not enough for us. We want to be uh, one of the best in the world. So we're investing heavily in uh, smart technology to help us identify leakage as and when it happens so that we can address it quickly. We're also investing in um, smart metering technology for our customers so that we can alert them when they've got leakage or when their consumption is out of, uh, out of the normal range for them and help them reduce their, their consumption. So those are all pieces of investment that we're, we're making at the moment. Uh, and I'd like to see us to do more around water efficiency as well. We've already got one of the lowest levels of per capita consumption in the island uh, across the UK. Um, but I think, again, we need to be up there with you know, leaders of the pack. So um, we're very good. It's 115 litres per person per day as an average at the moment. I'd like to, to see us getting down to 100 over the next decade or so. In terms of resources, the, um, the water resource plan f focused principally around desalination. Uh, ex extending the plant that we've got at the moment and we're actively underway with that program of work we've completed all of the feasibility studies necessary to to inform the design for the for the next upgrade which we're planning uh, to, to to start building subject to planning permission over the next couple of years so by 25 26 that should be um, completed and in, in place um, and so all of that and, and then we're also um, looking at the PFAS challenge and seeing how we can uh, extract more water from Pont Marquet and um, the boreholes in St Wands, but that's very much slower burn in terms of the work we're doing with government. Um, we'll, we'll come on to that. I was just wondering whether there is more that you'd like to see holistically, perhaps from, for instance, a planning perspective where new homes, for instance, um, are required or there's more incentive to store rainwater or more brown water recycling. Is there more that we can do you know, outside of just Jersey Waters remit. Yeah, certainly. I think um, as as uh, water becomes more and more scarce, we need to become smarter with it. And designing uh, water efficient homes from the outset is obviously much easier than retrofitting it. So, I know the Environment Minister is very keen on moving that agenda forward. So, building water efficiency into the housing regulations so that they're designed from the start. It does add cost to new homes, um, but it's also an environmental benefit. So, really, quite a significant opportunity. One thing that you've mentioned in the past is perhaps turning effluent from Balazan into drinking water. And I understand the Environment Minister, Jonathan Renneth, who you've just mentioned, is also very keen on exploring this option. Uh, getting over the, 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 the kind of icky feeling of perhaps drinking one's own effluent, um, do you think it's still a goer? Yeah, I do. I think uh, uh, there's an icky initial reaction, but the reality is it happens all over the world. Singapore, uh, it's called new water. They recycle their wastewater and uh, it's it's drunk and it's to a high standard and it happens in australia and it happens in the uk albeit via a river so it's very much commonplace occurrence and it seems crazy that we're pumping millions of liters of water out to sea uh, in jersey when we're crying out for it when it's not raining but i think you know our next water resources plan is um, we're just getting on underway with it it's a five yearly process and so this is this is the next phase we're looking at and we'll be publishing in in around 2025 um the, the methodology is getting more and more cautious so we're going to see a greater and greater need for more resource in the future and so we need to be really uh, looking very closely at effluent reuse more desalination potentially it may be um, more viable 
additional reservoir storage, albeit that comes with huge planning uh, and environmental challenges. So all of those big ticket items are still very much on the table and we need to be looking at them now and planning for the future. You're a utility. By nature, you're quite capital intensive. How will mm. you pay for this? And will will we have to pay more for our water in the future? I think um, I mean, what I'd say is everything that Jersey Water does is paid for by our customers. There isn't a magic pot of money from which we uh, can, can get investment. And so the, the, the really uh, the great objective is to deliver great value for our customers. And, and if that means needing to invest in a new desalination plant or a new um, reservoir, then taking our customers on that journey so they can understand the investment required and they agree that that's the best course of action. I think that, you know, that's the answer uh, rather than just simply arbitrarily imposing stuff on them so i think we're going to look at in you know over the next course of the water resources plan is bringing our customers on that journey through a consultation process and really having those abilities to have a conversation with our customer either through a smaller you know representative group or, or more generally around the options for the island and how we take them forward and in the short term we've mentioned a lot about the cost of living crisis we're going through is that something that had, has had a bearing on Jersey Water? Have you seen your own costs rise, which may lead to, to, to unwelcome price rises uh, on, on people's bills? Yeah, certainly we've had uh, significant increases across many of our costs. Uh, you know, we're obviously large user of chemicals and we've seen, I think one of our chemicals has gone up by 150% in less than a year. Um, everything we buy seems to have got more and more expensive especially things like pipes and fittings and uh, anything where raw, raw material consumption is is considerable the price rise has been enormous but likewise in you know trying to recruit people is becoming more expensive and our contracting services that we procure in are again more expensive so across the board we've seen significant increase in our cost base um, but we were very conscious that we you know, wanted to protect our customers from that to the extent possible. So last year, 1st of January, our, our price increase was 6%, which was 1.9% below RPI. Uh, so we're really trying to shield as much as we can our customers from that impact, um, as we have done over the last 20 years, trying to keep our prices as low as we price increases as low as we possibly can. That being said, we're still seeing pressure on our costs, still seeing, you know, um, prices of raw materials increasing. Um, and, you know, we still need to invest in our infrastructure going forward. So I can't predict what our tariff increase next year is going to be, other than it won't be before the 1st of January 2024, which I've promised already. Uh, but there will be a price increase, I'm sure, but we'll do our utmost to keep it as low as possible, but balancing the need to be able to invest in the future. Just returning to some of the long-term issues and some of the strategies, um, looking at the draft management plan also, and you've mentioned this already, um, one of the things you have to deal with is the PFAS pollution, particularly in St Juan's Bay. And you've previously, previously mentioned trialling technology, which could remove the chemical from mm. water supplies. How is that going? Yeah, so the PFAS work is ongoing with, with government. We're part of the technical officer group, and that project is really being led by government because it's a pollution incident. Uh, and, and we're actively supporting it and contributing to it. Um, in the meantime, the water we supply through the, the, the mains network is fully compliant with all um, PFAS regulations for, for drinking water. World Health Organization have published in 2022 guidelines for drinking water regulations, and we fully comply with that. So our customers should have no concern uh, around the compliance of our water with you know the best practice standards that are out there um, you know, for water quality. In terms of the future and the ability to abstract more water, um, we've got significant PFAS concerns in Pormarke catchment, which is um, 
the railway walk effectively water we capture from there and in the boreholes and some ones and we, we're looking to um to see how we can take more water out of there in the future but obviously without the pfas uh, contained therein um we we trialed technology in uh in a very it's a desktop exercise basically so there's um equipment the size of a suitcase which you put the the, the water through and see if it works uh, so it's not necessarily representative of industrial um, supply quantities, but uh, you know we, it was found to be highly effective. It removed, I think, you know, 99% of the PFAS or thereabouts, uh, and so you know, demonstrated it, it could work. The challenge is the scale that we're, we would need to operate at and the cost. Um, these plants are extremely expensive, um, eye-wateringly so. I, I won't tell you the number off the top of my head, but I don't want to get it wrong but uh, really makes you think twice about whether it's actually affordable. So the, what we need to do is look at all of the available um, treatment solutions and see if we can uh, c come up with one which is uh, much more affordable for, for the island uh, through more conventional uh, treatment technologies. And just looking at other projects, you've mentioned that you're reviewing, or you've got the next right plan coming for the next five years. What are we likely to see first? Presumably we're not going to see a, a valley flooded in the near future but are we potentially looking at um, more desalination are we looking at more capacity in other areas yeah so within the next five years i would i would subject to planning and all the relevant consents um foresee that we're going to have another five or six million liter capacity on, on the desalination plant and that would take it from uh 10 million liters a day which is half of our demand to um 15 or 16 million liters a day which is three quarters of our and daily demand uh, and that's we're actively working on that you know that's uh, we have to go through the consent process but you know i'd like to see that delivered in in that time frame the the longer term stuff around effluent reuse and and additional valleys it's, it's much longer term queen's valley took 20 years from from design to, to delivery and i suspect flooding another valley would probably take that or longer um so these decisions take take a take a long time and there's obviously a lot of hurdles to get through so uh that that longer term thing's a bit more of a slow burn but we need to start now because of the lead time in delivering them um we'll need it when it you know by the time we can deliver it in parallel the government has said recently that it's in the early stages of writing a water strategy for the whole island which could take two to three years to complete presumably jersey water are very much feeding into that government strategy yeah, we're very much part and parcel of that process, and you know, we fully endorse the government's decision to develop a, um, a, a water strategy. Something that's been completely absent historically. So, uh, the government in taking an interest in the essential resource for, for all of our lives and, and well-being is is absolutely great, and we fully welcome it. Uh, the, the the scope of that strategy at the moment is wider than just Jersey Water's remit. So it's. Uh, it's still in draft but as far as i understand it is from sky to sea so we do the the drinking water piece and ihe do the drainage piece and there's various private supplies and so forth and all of that is part of the whole ecosystem of water in the island and that's part of the water strategy and what we're a small bit of it but a really important bit because that will drive the the the, the plans for additional resources and so forth so presumably i you would welcome a, a more a holistic look at water in general and it's using and it's use in supply in Jersey. Yeah, I mean we've got to safeguard water supplies because you know they're critical to the future. And we, you know, with growing population and climate change, it's going to become more and more, um, you know, difficult to, to meet the demand for the island. And and having a comprehensive, holistic water strategy to make that easier should be should be a good thing. We've talked about some of the the big capital projects and government decisions. Um, I'd just like to finish on um, 
islanders themselves as individuals us what what can we do as, as, as residents of the island to to support jersey water in its aims and ensure that we don't run out with water at key times i think that, that the easiest thing is to be become water efficient and, and not waste water um it's really easy to save water when you're conscious of it going down the drain and every time it goes down the drain it's a bit of a lost opportunity to use that water somewhere else um in 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 the summer months so we're getting into summer bedding season where all the garden centers get um inundated with people planting their summer flowers and that all gets watered and we see a significant increase in the demand for water over the spring uh but recycling water in the home from you know washing your dishes and all of that sort of stuff can can make a big difference in reducing demand but you still have a nice garden uh, there's we've got a, a, a get water fit app on our website which will give you a tailored water efficiency plan for your home as so you answer some very simple questions about your water use and the app will tell you where you can save the most water and not only does it save water but it reduces your water bill and it can also reduce your power bill as well because you're not heating as much water so it's it's a triple whammy benefit for you know for, for a single activity so um you know for, for, for customers who want to save some money and and do the right thing for water resources in the island it's, it's a really good good opportunity and it's straight on our website get water it That was Helia Smith, CEO at Jersey Water, and our thanks go to him for this interview. You can find this and other Baywick podcasts in all the usual pod places. Tune in next week for more.